So, good to be back. Uh, we are continuing with the message series called The Presence of God. And uh, we're trying to give you a lot of different um, aspects of God himself. Now, it, it could take a lifetime to talk about God. The presence of God is really just God. We're talking about being in the very presence of God himself. That's what we're talking about. Um, you know, God is invisible, isn't he? Right? But yet he shows up in visible ways. Uh, we see him through creation. Uh, we see him in different ways. We know that God's presence has three levels. His presence is omnipresence where he's all around, like he's here. Any, even if someone doesn't know Jesus, he's all around. He surrounds the earth. He's in the universe. That's called omnipresence. And then there's this other thing called indwelling presence. That's when you and I, at some point in time, we, we, we need help and we cry out to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. And all of a sudden, God indwells. He comes and lives inside of us. That's crazy. It's amazing. That's called indwelling presence. And then there's manifest presence. That's when all of a sudden, God shows up in so many various ways. He speaks to you like, oh man, I heard from God. Or he comes and he, you know, maybe a stranger shows up that's actually an angel, um, you know, uh, he, 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 he touches your body, he heals it, he does something in your mind. God shows up, it's called manifest presence. We know that happened in the day of Pentecost when they were all in one room in one accord and then God just came down and boom, that's when the church began. So that's manifest presence. Omnipresence, say omnipresence. All around. But even though God's all around, still people don't know him. They're not able to draw close to God. And this is the reason for this message series is that we understand what is the most important thing to God. It's to have a personal relationship with him and to, to get the proof of God. If you're gonna subtitle this message, it's called The Proof. Bill Johnson writes this about the presence of God in one moment, we find ourselves rejoicing in the dance and hands lifted high. In the next, we are bowed low, not because someone suggested it would be an appropriate response, but because a holy God has filled the room. In one moment, our mouths are filled with laughter because we've discovered that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In the next, we find ourselves weeping for no apparent reason. Such is the walk with God. Such is the life given to the presence of God. You ever felt that way? All of a sudden, you're kind of singing. The next thing, you start tearing up a little bit, or maybe you're getting happy. That's just God in the midst, showing up in your life in a personal way. So you can, the proof, the proof is in, no, his presence. <laughs> it is. The proof is in his presence. The, thank you, that's good. I've said that before. The proof is in, I always thought that was pudding that you eat. It's not. It's P-U-T-T-I-N-G. It's not pudding that you eat, right? It's the put. it's the doing. The proof is in the doing. You, I, I, come on, I found that out in my 40s. And I'm only 30, so anyway. Um, listen, the proof is in his presence. One description of God in the Bible is that he's wind. He's wind. God is wind. He's like wind. And you don't have this. I'm going to read this. The wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind and see the effects of the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit, born of God. What is he saying? I mean, last night we had some wind. Man, wind was, was blowing. The leaves were blowing. The leaves are falling off. 
we, we can see the effects of the wind, the trees. Sometimes my hair, when it's really strong, will blow. Strong winds can make powerful results. Crop circles and field. Listen, we got, I look back in our field sometimes and I see these like massive things where it looks like, you know, a, a flying saucer fell down, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was the wind, just kind of a, a powerful a burst of wind hit that ground and kind of moved all of those, uh, that, that, that field. It's crazy the, the, how wind is powerful. But the proof is in his presence, and there's proof of the wind. So obviously, for those of you who followed us, we had a chance to go to Israel, which was so cool. It's been our dream of ours, bucket list. And uh, we got to get there and experience things. Um, But I have proof I was there. Nobody can tell me I wasn't there. I was there. I have pictures. I have rocks. A rock from the Sea of Galilee, a rock from the, from the Dead Sea, which is so cool. You kind of get in that thing, you just start floating. It's, it's so salty. Don't open your eyes or your mouth. I did, and it's not good. But we, 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 we have rocks. We have pictures. We've tasted the food. We talked with people. I wasn't sure if I was going to say this, but for our first two days, we didn't have any luggage. So I had to go out and buy some Italian boxers. <laughs> By the way, I think you found them, Levi. You threw them back in my room. Those are, those are, those are, I was trying to bequeath those to you because the, the problem with those boxers, they're not like U.S. boxers. Let me just say this. I'm, 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 I'm actually, uh, I, my, my, I've gone on another octave. I'm, I'm a soprano now. Um, but I have proof. I have proof. I have proof that I've been in Israel. You can't tell me that I have not been there. So the presence of God is not something to be explained. He is someone to be experienced. I am living proof of getting close to God and how God has changed me in different ways. So when we talk about his presence, we're talking about the different ways God shows up in our lives. And the proof that he was there and that he is there. Come on. The proof that he was there and that he is there. He is here. So I heard, I felt like God spoke to my heart yesterday. And he said this. I was thinking of this phrase, if you give a person an inch, they'll take a mile. It's kind of a negative thing, right? Oh, just don't. You give them, a, give them this, they'll take it. You know. But it's really, and now God spun it in a positive way. He says, Dan, if they give me an inch, I'll give them a mile. If they, if they walk towards me, if they get a little closer towards me, I'll give them more than they could ever expect or imagine. If they give me an inch, I'll give them a mile. Just a little bit of pure-hearted effort in moving towards God. One more step closer, one more time of prayer, reading, loving, forgiving, and he'll transform you. Maybe you've heard from God. Maybe you've felt his presence. Maybe you've experienced healing. Maybe you've seen God in various ways through creation, circumstances, through people. Those times are proof of God. Maybe you missed it. 
Maybe the person that invited you to church was God himself working through that person getting you just to go to church. Maybe, maybe it, was, it was an angel in disguise. Maybe it was you're just out in the woods and a thought came to you. Could that have been God speaking to you, directing you? I say yes. But there's a difference between saying God is everywhere and saying God is here. God is here, says God is clearly working in my life right now. So we tend to talk about God's presence being everywhere, and that's right, but it seems that the Bible is more concerned with his presence in a personal relationship through personal experience so that we have proof. The story of God begins and ends with the presence of God. In the book of Genesis, we see God filling the garden with his presence. He is the first couple's home. Fast forward to the end of the Bible, we see a very similar picture, but on a much larger scale, all of heaven has collided with earth to make a perfect home for God to live with us. So God's goal in our lives is to experience him in a close, personal way. See, when my kids were born, they were mine by law and by birthright. But they were immediately swooped up. Moments, I mean, I, I don't think I got to hold on a Lynn. She, was, she looked like a little blue alien, by the way. I was a little scared at first, but that was quite an experience. You, you, you may have heard that experience. I almost passed out. Anyway, she came out, and the, and the nurse put, swooped her up, put her in her arms, walked her to a room to uh, clean her up, check her vitals, do a once-over. And it wasn't until a short time later that I got to hold both of them for an extended period of time. And it was in that moment and many moments after that that I believe they could feel and experience the love and safety and presence of their dad. And if they could communicate, they would say, I've been held by my dad. I've been close to my dad. And now... I'm sure they can clearly pick me out of a crowd of other dads. Right, Levi? You know it's me. You know how I talk. You know that sometimes the stupid things I say. You know that there's something different about me. You could clearly pick me out from all of these dads in this place. That's my dad. How does he know that? Because it's personal. We've held each other. We've talked to each other. We've, we've, we've experienced things together he will always know that I'm his dad, not just by birthright and not just by law, but by personal experience. Nothing better, nothing better than to get close to dad. We've spent a lot of times wrestling together. We just, just Anna Lynn, just, just she came for a week and here and gone. Well, we made sure that we got to hug her and I got to hug her before she left, and, and we just, just make sure that there's communication, talk, having fun. In other words, they have experienced firsthand, uh, firsthand from an early age up until now proof that they've been with her dad. What evidence of God's presence can you remember? When and how has God showed up and changed your life? Do you have proof of your heavenly father? 
And when you can identify those moments, then you become a living advertisement to the presence of God, and you will naturally display that to the world around you. Israel was amazing. It was. If you've ever been there, I, I encourage you to go. It was just, it was just incredible. Um, I will talk about it to whoever will listen in the hopes that someone would say, man, Dan, you've talked about Israel so much, it feels like I've been there. Even though you have, you have not been there, I can bring you into my experience to talk so much about something that it feels like you've been there. Proof, proof, proof. Here's my point. The next best thing to going to an event is to have a witness share the passion in whatever they have experienced. I was not there 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and rose from the dead, but I'll tell you something. In 1994, I experienced the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in me, and nobody can take that from me. We can argue and debate about scripture all you want, about doctrines and traditions, but the one thing you can't argue is my life being completely changed by God. And wow, does God want that for everyone. Why is the evidence or proof of God in our lives so important? Here's the truth. You don't have this either, but uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Just write that down. And I want to read the God's Word, God's Word translation. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. The evidence of the Spirit's presence is given to each person, look at this, for the common good of everyone. The evidence of God is given to each person for the common good of everyone, or for everyone. God's presence is for you and for everyone around you. And when the Spirit of God is present, there is evidence. Lives impacted, marriages healed, families restored, blind eyes and deaf ears open, the lame walk, the mute talk, fear is defeated, and hope is reborn. Signs and wonders of all kinds mark the territory of our lives as we are in relationship with God in his presence. See, I know every time we get to pray for someone, I know God's going to show up. I know it. 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 Every time you pray for someone, believe that. God's going to show up. God's going to show up. Don't lose hope. So let me take you just for a few, minute, a few minutes and let me tell you and try to show you what I've experienced in his presence. It's the proof. And by the way, the world is looking for proof. The world is looking for the evidence of God's presence, and we are the carriers of God's presence. You good with that? So here we go. I'm gonna give you a few, few things. We'll roll through them, but grab a hold of what you can grab a hold of. Let me just say this. I'm telling you these things not to bring any condemnation at all. There's no condemnation. And I'm telling these things, yes, to bring conviction a little bit, but I'm telling you these things to compel you into God's presence because there's so much more. Here's what I've experienced. I've experienced in his presence, I've experienced that you'll get happier. You'll get happier. Say, you'll get happier. 
You'll get happier. Here's the truth. Psalm 16, verse 11, and you'll get happier. You'll show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. One of the greatest advertisements of, for God is joy. Do you know that? We're sitting at the original tomb. Now, interesting, in, in, in the old city in uh, Jerusalem, they have pe- people have tried to grab a hold of the actual place that Jesus um, was placed in a tomb. And so uh, we, we happened, I believe, to get to the right one. It just seemed right. It felt right. I, I was sitting in the place that it was the garden tomb, sitting in that place, and I just felt so happy, so happy, so happy. Now, I wasn't, I was thinking about the whole thing. I was thinking, man, Lord, this is where you were. It was, it was very, uh, it was very, very uh, it was a reverence, a moment of reverence, but I felt so happy, so happy. But here's the honest truth. We can lose our joy. We can experience tough, even brutal days that take the happiness and joy from our lives. Maybe today you need God to restore your joy in his presence. David prayed that his joy would be restored. Look at this, Psalm 51, 12. Restore, now there's key words here. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Matter of fact, let's read this together. One, two, three. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Let me just say this. Remember, the presence of God is about God. What he has done. Come on, don't miss this point. Who he is. Because there seems to be a roadblock. You might be searching for joy in all the wrong places. But it's found in his presence close to him. Let me compel you there. Because again, the enemy's good at tricking us to try to find happiness and joy and whatever things in life. And things in life that you do are good, but man, there's nothing that compares with being face to face with God. I find my joy and happiness in him. Not too long ago, I was just going through a little bout of discouragement. You guys still here today? Don't be sad. This is a happy moment. You get happier. So I was, I was going through a little discouraging moment like we all do. And uh, I love Emily because she just has a way of just hearing very quickly from God. Um, it's one of her gifts. She, God gives her scriptures and, and words. And I said, you know, listen, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what, what I just feel like I need a personal, you know, little pat on the back, boy, Dan, way to go. You're, you know, you, you just need it every once in a while. Someone to say, hey, good job. And uh, I was just, man, I must have been in a little bit of a drought with that, um, not, not really hearing that from God. But so I said, so I told them to just pray while Emily comes firing back these scriptures. And of course, I'm going to go read them because I'm thinking, man, here it is. Thank you, God. You gave me a personal word. You're going to tell me that I'm doing a great job personally. So I'm ready for it. That's not what I got. All the scriptures that she sent me were about how, God, how great God was. Not me. <laughs> And I, one of them, I'm like, okay, here's another one. Please, God. No, he did all of them said, hey, I'm great. Praise me, Dan. I'm awesome. I'm powerful. And I realized, you're right. A little too much focus on myself. 
and I got to put my focus back. And the moment I began to just switch to telling God how great he was, reminding him of what he's done in my life, oh my goodness, I started smiling. You're right, God. You're right. You're right. Now listen, we all need a good attaboy. There's nothing wrong with that. You, you, you do. You, you encourage people. But in that moment, what I needed was I needed to put my face towards God, get in the very presence of God, and he began to restore my joy. See, there's more joy in the house when you realize who is in the house. Let's say it again. There's, there's, there's more joy in the house when you realize who is in the house. And so many people struggle because they might come to church and they're looking at people to fulfill their needs or a pastor or a leader. No, 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 no. Don't fall for that. God is here. God is here. Therefore, we can have joy. We can have joy. By the way, God is here. Check this out. He's happy. You know that? God is happy. Oh, man, I got to come down here for this. God is here. You know, now, I'm just be honest. As soon as I said that, some people went, they had the right response. Some people are like, I've been, I've been there before, right in the presence of God. What's up with that? Okay, well, you know what's up with that? Listen. Just gotta, gotta know that God's here. God is happy. God's happy because if we know that God is happy and we're in his presence, we will reflect the very presence of God. You'll be happy. Congratulations, by the way. You'll be happy. You'll be happy. You'll be happy. See, but, but sometimes we go to church, oh gosh, man, the lightning bolt's gonna come. The whole church is gonna crash because I'm here. God, you're mad at me. No, he isn't. He's happy. Oh, just try it once. Just try this. You take your, take your mouth and you just, if you gotta do this, do it. Just try it. I get it. You might be going through something tough, but just try it. In his presence, there's, he's happy. He's happy. I'm not forcing you to to smile. God wouldn't force you to smile. But the proof of God's presence eventually is this. Oh, God, you're good. Oh, God, you love me. And I don't need to worry about anything. You're here. You weren't here. You are here. In his presence, you'll get happier. In his presence, you'll get stronger. I'm just going to say the word resolve, a never give up mindset. You'll just get stronger. Some of you feel at times like you can't make it, like you just can't keep doing this thing over and over again. Sometimes that happens. You feel tired and weary. God wants to make you stronger. Jesus got close to the Father because he needed strength in the wilderness. He defeated the enemy because he drew near to God. In the garden when he would literally sweat blood, 
He drew close to God. When he is humiliated and tortured for all to see, he drew close to God. And at the cross, he had an incredible resolve, persistence, and determination to make it to the cross, to die for us, to take our sins, sickness, disease, wounds upon himself so that we could be healed and free. But he needed strength, and he got it from the very presence of God, his Father. He went away often, spending quiet time with God, reading getting away with him. Let me say this, you'll, you'll get stronger with just simply spending time with God. That's how you get stronger. You'll get stronger for what's coming by simply spending time with God, with consistency. The athlete knows it, the bodybuilders know it, and every Christian needs to know it. His strength comes from consistent relationship, closeness, and surrender. So many times, when trials come, I'm just speaking from my own experience, when trials come, we tend to get this verse backwards. We resist God. And we, you okay? Okay. <laughs> I, always, I always gauge the message by looking at Emily. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a really bad message. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, no. She was just um, very in, in deep, deep thought focusing on um, how handsome I was, but you should be smiling. What's your smiling? Um, but the truth is that we get the scripture wrong. Listen, the Bible says, listen, if you want the devil to flee, you gotta submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But sometimes we get it backwards. We run from the devil. We just run from the devil, right? We just run, we get scared and we run away from the devil, but God said, that's not how it works. James 4, 7 says this. It says, to surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. So next time you find yourself in a pickle or maybe right now you're in a tough situation, just simply surrender to God. Oh God, oh God, I'm not gonna try. Listen, I've made way too many mistakes in life trying to do it on my own. And I've, I feel like I'm learning my lesson more and more, but I'll tell you something, all God wants you to do just do this. Surrender to God. Stand firm. And eventually he's going to run from you. Love it. You'll get stronger and you'll get wiser. This is the proof of being in his presence. You'll get happier, you'll get stronger, and you'll get wiser. So years ago, when I, I, I was uh, leading a couple of Bible studies in the jail, people, people always ask me, were you in jail? No, I should have, but uh, no, I was, and I was actually teaching twice a week um, these uh, awesome uh, young men, young, some of them older, who uh, were, they got caught. They struggled in life. And so we're in there every week, and there was one young gentleman who couldn't read, he, he, he just, he, he didn't, uh, he probably only finished maybe like the fourth or fifth grade and kept coming back to jail over and over again. I'd, I'd see him and say, man, why, what are you in for this time? And just lovingly, and, but here's one thing. Every single Bible study was there, and every single Bible study, he was hungry. He was hungry because he wanted to change. I'm telling you, he wanted to change. And, and so oh, every single time he was there, he was asking questions. He was showing me that God was teaching him some things in the Bible. He was starting to read. And all of a sudden, I leave Ionia, come here. I get a call from this gentleman. And today, 
over time because he fully dedicated his life and got close to God. He's following God now. He's growing. He's leading in his church. He's speaking messages. He's giving his testimony. He's changing lives. Isn't that awesome? You know what happened? He got wiser. He could have gone back to jail. He was, he was a repeat offender. And I said, finally, he said, no, enough is enough. I'm going to get it wiser. Matter of fact, let me just give you some, a key for those of you in school, college, you're going to school. If you want to be smarter than your teachers, sorry, Nathaniel, just a minute. If you want to be, look, look at this verse. Check this verse out. Psalm 119.99. Look at this. You've given me more understanding than my teachers. <laughs> For I've absorbed your eye-opening revelation. You, you, now, now he's, he's talking about rabbis and teachers, but, but I believe that when you put yourself and immerse yourself into God, in his word, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna get wiser. I, I love schooling. I, lo I love our teachers, by the way. Oh, my goodness, man. Our teachers are amazing because they're not all, they, they just don't have to be, they're, they're, they're not just teachers. They're like counselors and parents. I mean, they've got like five or six different hats. So be praying for our teachers because they're, they're developing our children. But, but I'll tell you something, there's no, you cannot get smarter if we're only being developed through, through, uh, through things outside of God. But, but I, what I'm saying is get into God's presence. Read the Bible. And I'm telling you something, he will, he'll do something in your brain that only he can do. You'll also move past old issues because he has a solution to every single problem. Get close and you'll get wiser. I gotta go through these quickly. You'll get bolder. Say you'll get bolder. This is how the church started. Uh, Peter and John changed the world with their writings but this is how they started. Look at this verse, Acts 4.13. I love this. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who'd never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. That's it. The proof right there. They just spent time with him and they got bold. By the way, I'm not here today if I don't spend time with God. If he doesn't spend time with I'm not here today. This is not normal and natural for me to stand up here and speak to you and, and with confidence and boldness. This only comes by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, if you're around me, like, uh, like just one-on-one, -on -one, Sometimes I just get stuck. My words aren't the same, but when I'm up here, it's different. I'm, 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 there's something that God's doing through me. He's giving me boldness. You'll get bolder. That's proof. And some of you are like, yeah, I, I get it, man. I used to be really timid, and now I have no problem. I have no problem sharing my testimony, talking about God. That is proof that you've been in God's presence. You guys good? Quickly, you'll get hungrier. Hungry. The closer you get to God, the hungrier you get. I got, I got to tell you a dark secret. I've been eating a lot of pumpkin pie blizzards lately. 
oh my goodness, I can't believe. My, my go-to blizzard was the banana split blizzard with extra bananas, go-to all the time. But I found this pumpkin pie blizzard. So I feel really bad because like I'd show up one day and all of a sudden the next day, oh, it's you again, we know what you want. Like they, they know what I want now. They know how I like it. Um, I've been eating a lot of those lately, Emily knows. Uh, little pieces of pie crust swirled into the delicious pumpkin-flavored ice cream with the perfect amount of whipped cream. It triggers the dopamine in my brain. <laughs> I'm not a dope. The dopamine in my brain. The dopamine is, is a neurotransmitter, a chemical released by neurons to send signals to other nerve cells. In other words, it is a, it is a motivational component of reward-motivated behavior. You like something, your brain says, oh, go get some more. That's what happens with the blizzards for me. It's like, but what I do is I walk with Emily, not just to get the blizzard. I walk with her to spend time with her and with God. We pray, but then I get the blizzard afterwards. David compels us to taste God. Look at this, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who get close to him. That's what that means, the joys. When, when you're in God's presence, you'll get hungrier. Something happens to the dopamine in your brain. You're like, you know what? I want to I go to church. I want to get involved in, in, in a small group. I want to read my Bible. I want to help people. All of a sudden, something is happening in your brain. Something that God gave you is being released for you to do more for him. You'll get hungrier. Well, let me ask you this. What does God taste like? Because we're supposed to taste him. Well, he's sweet like honey. He's pure like milk. He's refreshing like mountain streams, salty and flavorful with life, even sharp at times. That's what God tastes like. And when you taste him, you'll want more. Think about your physical appetite. If the food you eat doesn't taste all that great, eating can become a chore. Instead of enjoying your meals, you might start skipping them. Once you start skipping meals regularly, you can lose interest in eating. But appetite is kept healthy by eating tasty, say tasty, nourishing food. Emily, please listen to me when you order your next veggie cup. <laughs> veggie sandwich, veggie salad, vegetable burger. All right, I have a better way. <laughs> I do. Put a little bacon on that thing. Get over to Chagrinat's house, man. He will cook you something on his grill that's flavorful and tasty. She, it's backfired, hasn't it? It's backfired at times. Oh, give me the, give me the veggie, veggie, veggie. You know, I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't. I mean, God bless vegetables, but man, oh man, throw some bacon in there or something. Throw a slab of meat. Amen, come on. Listen, when, because when your food is tasty and flavorful, you'll go back for more. Almost done. <laughs> you guys still here? Here's how not to taste God. By the way, one of the, one of the greatest ways you taste God is right in his word. Start eating the word. Start, crack open that Bible, read, start reading Psalms, reading in, read in Matthew or John. I mean, just start reading the Bible. Proverbs is great. And, but listen, here's how not to taste God. It's likely you, you won't taste God, much of God, if you just read the word to fulfill a Christian duty. 
and without any openness of your heart. You won't taste God if your intention is merely to get more knowledge about God. And you, you really won't taste God if your focus is only finding ways to improve yourself. I love self-improvement, but that's not my, my motive or my goal. So with these motivations, you just might lose interest in, in, in the food. But here's how you taste God. Read the Bible with an open heart. Just open up your heart. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, open up my heart to you. I come to you because I need you and I'm hungry for you. Number two, if you want to taste God, just, just, just don't look at the black and white letters of the Bible, but to God himself, to Jesus himself, with, with this in mind, we, Lord, I don't want to miss you in the word. I want to meet you in the word. Sometimes just going through and reading all the red letters will change it like that. Come on, read the red letters. And then thirdly, you want to you taste God. Don't focus on yourself, but on how wonderful, powerful he is and all he has done. Make that your aim and your focus. You guys still here? You will get hungrier. You'll get brighter. You'll get brighter. Oh man, does the world need to see a bright light from a Christian, right? We are a light on a hill that cannot or should not be hidden. Matter of fact, we are the lights, he says. Well, I'm not, no, we, he says, you're the light of the world, right? So this is what I've known about, about uh, getting brighter. Brightness occurs with a simple adjustment, a simple turn of the knob, Yes, I'm sure I've been called a knob before, but listen, I call it a simple attitude adjustment. And let me ask this question. Has your life in Jesus grown dim? Let God make a simple adjustment, a little turn of that light. What sin has crept in? Just stop it today. Just stop it. Well, Pastor Dan, you don't know. It's got to hold me. No, 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 no. Just stop it. You have the power in the name of Jesus to stop something in your life. Do not let it have you. It's only going to destroy you. The wages of sin is death. You don't want your two-week paycheck to show up with death written all over it, with bondage and oppression. Come on. You want a two-week paycheck to show up. Hey, way to go, Dan. You did it. You're getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Is anybody here? We all need a little turn of the knob, an attitude adjustment. So a few months ago, we're sitting, sitting on a plane, and one of my pet peeves has always been sitting in the plane, you have a three-hour flight, and there's a young child who starts screaming at the top of their lungs. I don't know, about you, maybe you can handle it, but I always have that like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a long trip constant, just, yeah, I can't even hit that high of a note, but you, you ever had that before? Like, oh man, this is going to be tough, and so of course I'm thinking about myself again, and uh, not only that, screaming and coughing, kids, coughing, stuff all over the place, just, I'm just being honest, I love kids, I do, I love them, but, the, but that, that thing that, 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 that starts to begin to annoy me, well all of a sudden, this happened on a plane ride, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, 
Dan, I, I need to make a simple adjustment here. What if that child screams the whole plane ride? Are you going to be okay with it? No, <laughs> but I will. So I made a quick decision right then. Say, God, turn that knob. Make me brighter. And when, when, I, allowed, when I said, God, turn my knob, turn, turn, I'll be brighter, that all of a sudden I began to think about the parents. Man, they're doing a great job parenting their child right now. I, I began, my focus is off of me, and I, thought, I said, wow, man. And all of a sudden, when that little tiny turn or adjustment of the brightness happened in me, I said this. I said, Lord, bring it on. I can handle this. Even the child is screaming and crying. Well, eventually the, the child stopped screaming, crying, coughing, went to sleep. I don't know if they gave him, but praise God. But anyways... <laughs> He was done, and so the next flight back, and Levi was even sitting there, and all of a sudden this kid right in front of us, or back, I can't remember, in front of us, had a, a, this scream that was like, even Levi said, man, that was a loud scream. <laughs> so, and I just said, amen. Thank you, God. I'm good. I'm good. It didn't affect me, because I chose to let God make a simple attitude adjustment. It's very simple for me to put my focus back on him and not on myself. Is anybody here today? Paul said this, we're almost done. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. Look at this. For then, go back to that verse again. Let me just read it again. Live a cheerful life, join his presence without complaining or division among yourselves. Look at this. And then you'll be seen as innocent, faultless, pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe. Can God make a little adjustment in your life today? How is the negativity, the pessimism, how is it, how is it crept in? Can God just turn it? Just a little turn, a little tweak will make you brighter. Lastly, this is the most important point. We're done. I know you guys are just riveted to your feet. You could stay here another two hours, and maybe we will. You will get tender. Tender. Say tender. This is so important for this moment. This is the most obvious proof of being with God, a tender heart. Whenever you're around someone who gives genuine love with no strings attached, Jesus, you cannot resist the effect of it. If I'm in his presence, then my heart will become tender. Because I know he loves me. I can't truly experience God's presence until I've experienced him heart to heart. The world will know that we are close to God, listen, by the love that we show one another. Jesus said it first, John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Proof. 
The world is saying, show me the proof. And God is saying, show them the love. The world is saying, show me the proof. And God is saying, just show them the love. There you go. Thank you, my friend. That's it. Show them the love. I want to show you a quick video. It's going to only take a couple minutes, but you got to see it. It's going to end our service, but I want to show you this. Lights down. Maybe you've seen this before. It's been, it's been going around, um, but it's such a powerful moment. I want you to see a person that's been living in the presence of God and how this has changed, really changing the world with this uh, testimony. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and I die. can speak for myself. I Check one, I forgive yeah. you. Sorry, pause it. I'm sorry guys. And thank you for pausing that. My bad. I know Thank you. Okay, listen. You're about to see something very powerful. I didn't set this up. If you don't know, this man, uh, his brother was killed by a police officer who was wearing a 13-hour shift. When she got home, she went to the wrong apartment, killed his brother, his close brother he's always had. And this is where this sets up. He's now in the trial, and they're about to give the young lady a sentence. And this is his testimony about this incident. Go ahead and show it. Thank you. To God and ask him. He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see. I I personally want the best for you, and I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone. But I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
Is that, yeah, I know. <laughs> Powerful. Listen, that's proof that he is in the presence of God. That's proof that he gets close to God. That's proof that he prays and reads. That is the proof, my friends, right there, you guys. How will they know when you're in the presence of God? You'll just become more tender. You'll just become more tender. You'll be able to forgive and love all because of what God has done in your heart, in my heart, amen? And some of you are probably trying to overthink situations and wonder, man, how can I reach people? How can I, how can I you know, reach a family member? Tell them you love them. Pray for them. Tell them you love them. Just tell them you love them. Send them a text. Send them a card. Give them a call. Tell them you love them. Tell them you forgive them. And I'll tell you, those two words are the most powerful things that you can do to change the world around you. I, I love all the gifts that God gives us. But man, when God can move on the inside of a person, change it from the inside out, wow. That's evidence of it, amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God, that in your presence there's so much that we can have and that changes our lives. We get happier, stronger, wiser, Lord God, and we get uh, tender, Lord. Like our hearts, our hard hearts become soft again. They become pliable, all because we're loving you. You're loving us. We're forgiving people. God, today, let today be the day that changes our lives. Let us do something with this message. Let us go out. If there's anybody in our lives that we are struggling with, God, let us offer love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness. Let us do that, God. Let us do that. And that's how the world will see and know the proof that we are with you, you're with us, you're in us and working through us. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you guys.